the Puritans who founded the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in the 17th century had many quarrels with the Church of England, which they regarded as corrupted through and through with popery, Roman Catholic practices. But maybe the most visible and contentious of these differences was over the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Not only is that one of the longer ones of the Ten Commandments, it also seems pretty clear. But the the leaders of the Protestant Reformation, a century before the Puritans, pointed out that the Roman Catholic Church had proved its might by dispensing with one of the Ten Commandments altogether when they condoned work on the Sabbath. Actually, for the Puritans, work and play on the Sabbath were both equally sinful. The 1646 Westminster Confession of Faith orders, The Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Going beyond the letter of the commandment, Sabbatarians stress that Sunday is a day for humans to be holy, which means refraining from all engrossing pursuits of the other six days of the week, whether those pursuits fall under the category of leisure or work. Some of us might remember a time when playing cards or watching television or reading non-religious books on Sunday were universally frowned upon in many communities. The pendulum has definitely swung back in the other direction. Now we interpret day of rest to mean day of leisure. Cooking, football watching, recreational activities of all kinds are the expectation rather than the exception. So it's striking, maybe even a bit alarming, to read this passage from Isaiah, in which the author neatly divides our religious responsibilities into two groups. First, he assures us that God will guide and restore and rebuild our broken communities if we take away unequal burdens, curb our tongues, feed the hungry, and meet the needs of those in crisis. Then, he promises blessings and favor from God if we refrain from pursuing our own interests on the Sabbath day. Just two things. Work for the good of our neighbors. Don't do your own thing on the Sabbath. We can all get behind the first admonition. But can we so easily dismiss the second one as outdated, just a Jewish thing, no longer binding on us in letter or full intent? 
After all, we are listening to the words of the author of Isaiah, not the law of Moses. Now, in the law of Moses, rules that we think of as ceremonial are all mixed up with rules that we consider core moral obligations, and that leaves us free to pick and choose, to a certain extent, the ones that we will consider binding. This, in Isaiah, is a prophetic voice that in the first few verses about feeding the hungry and serving the afflicted, that voice sounds fully attuned to social justice, unconcerned about purity, ritual, nitpicky rules. What do we make of the fact that this voice gives balance equal weight to keeping the Sabbath free of our own affairs? It's a question that's apparently as old as the very idea of a holy day. As a matter of fact, the author of Isaiah is turning the Ten Commandments upside down in this passage that we read, upending the order of responsibilities with a boldness that his contemporaries in the post-exile world would have found utterly scandalous. Perhaps you learned when you were a child that the Ten Commandments is divided by long-standing Jewish and Christian tradition into two tablets. The first five, or in some numberings four, have to do with duties toward God. The second five, or six, have to do with duties toward one's fellow human beings. Because nothing in scripture is merely a coincidence, the ordering of the two tablets is taken to indicate the priority or the importance of these responsibilities. Serve God first, humans second. Seems pretty straightforward. And that's why it's so shocking that the author of Isaiah unapologetically reverses it. Serve humans first, he says. Then keep one day free and clear of human endeavors to serve God. That is a radical, possibly dangerous message. Not just in the author's time, when the fragile, rebuilding Jewish community in Palestine was trying to build clear walls of identity through ritual observance. But in any time when a truly religious person is expected to take for granted the mantra, God first, others second, me third. Maybe with that background, we can better appreciate the synthesis that Jesus suggests in the passage from Luke. From the many times that conflicts between Jesus' followers and the Pharisaical sect of Judaism are mentioned, scholars are confident that clashes over Sabbath observance happen frequently and that the records we have of them in the Gospels reflect a real and significant point of contention. We might casually read these stories as Jesus scoring points off legalistic, ritualistic people who confused the external trappings of religion with its moral substance. But the passage from Isaiah should make us stop short. Jesus, as we so often find him, is representing Isaiah's prophetic point of view over against the establishment, the religious or political establishment point of view. He's saying that duties to those in our care come first before religious duties. And he actually goes even farther. He's saying that the two tablets are actually one. 
that in serving our fellow human beings, we're not pursuing our own affairs, but we are pursuing the work of God. Because isn't that what the Hebrew scriptures record God doing over and over again? Bringing human beings out of bondage. When we feed someone, Jesus is saying, we are freeing her from the bondage of hunger. When we meet the needs of someone in crisis, we are freeing him from the terror of uncertainty and fear and powerlessness. When we remove the yoke that obligates some among us to more responsibilities and fewer rewards, a a yoke laid across some of us on the basis of race or gender or sexual orientation or naturalization status or income level, we are freeing them to be full members of our community with an equal share of rights and duties as ourselves. Jesus' bold redefinition challenges both his Hebrew forebears and his Christian followers. It's hard to think of a community of Christians in history that has managed to institutionalize this approach to the Sabbath. Either it's treated as a day when you can do your own thing after you've discharged your duty to show up in church for an hour, or less and less as a day when you should feel guilty if you experience a glimmer of pleasure. And I think that's because we have focused far more on another influential saying of Jesus, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. If the Sabbath is made for us, then we get to define it and fill it. Maybe we'd see it differently if we combined this passage from Luke with the one I just quoted. What if the Sabbath was made for other people? What if lifting up others, freeing them, loosing them, healing them, prioritizing them, were what the Sabbath was made for? Because as Jesus notes in his crack about the Pharisees watering their donkeys seven days a week, there's nothing more selfish than making those in need wait while we make sure we have performed our spiritual duties and gotten our fair allotment of rejuvenating recreation. In that light, the promises we hear from Isaiah's Isaiah's author have a different meaning altogether. Refrain from serving your own interests on the Sabbath day. Serve the interests of others instead. Don't go your own way on the Sabbath day. Go in the other's way. Stop pursuing your own affairs on the Sabbath day. Pursue the affairs of others. If our church, our fellow Christians in Conway, the whole Anglican communion worldwide decided to serve God by serving others first, if we took the Sabbath that way, just one day out of the week that we normally devote to our own spiritual and physical health, devoted instead to the interests of others, wouldn't that be a revolution? Amen.